Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Attitude of gratitude is what I want to talk about in here. And so it's attitudes, and I want to think, I I want to contrast attitudes. Uh, What was it like before, and what happened, and what is it like now? And what was it like before? Well, when I was at work, I would uh, resent not having the best equipment on my desk. Somebody else across the way had a better computer than I had. And so I'd sit there looking at his computer, and I'd look at my computer, and I'd think, yeah, gee, how come he's got a better computer than I do? And I'd get all upset about that. Or, uh, or, or my boss would give me direction to do something, and it wasn't what I thought should be done. And so I'd get all grumpy about my boss telling me, uh, telling me what to do and something different that I didn't make sense with. And my bosses were all morons. <laughs> they, they never knew what the right thing to do was, and obviously I did. Uh, and, and other people, other, other workers around the area who wouldn't do it my way. I mean, I even had for a while, for years, I, I was in a supervisory role. I had other people working for me. I was leading projects. And, and I had these metrics in the background that said, if people did it my way, the projects were successful. And every time I gave in and let somebody else do it their way, the projects weren't successful. I had that all down on paper. I had that approved in my mind. So obviously my way was right. Uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't get all the promotions that I deserved either. <laughs> I was absolutely certain of that, and I look at all of the money that I could have made and the power that I could have had, and I didn't have all of that, and, uh, and so that wasn't very good. And, and then just on top of all of that, I had to drive way too far to get to work. And I was driving all the way around. I was living in Washington, D.C. then, and I was driving all the way around the Washington Beltway every single day. I, drove, I lived over near the Baltimore-Washington uh, airport, and I worked over on the west side of the Beltway. How did that happen? I don't know. Must have been something happening out there that was against me. Okay. Well, how about it play? You know, we play. We have a good time in life, right? So I'd play. I'd go play golf. And I'd have a great time out on the golf course, except for those blasted golfers in front of me that were always too slow. I'm just standing around on the fairway waiting for these people to clear the green. Why don't they get off the green and so that I can hit my next shot? And, man, and man I know that at standing here this long, my next shot is going to be a duff because I've lost my edge standing here like this, and it's their fault. <laughs> Okay, so, so I'd do sailing instead. I'd get out on the water and I'd put a great big sail up and enjoy that pleasant time out on the water until these stupid power boats would come by and put waves all over the place and my sailboat would flop back and forth and the sail would be flopping up there in the breeze and it wouldn't catch the wind properly and I'd be shouting at them to go away. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I, so I tried whitewater canoeing for a while. 
And, and when I started that off, I had to buy a canoe. And you know that salesman sold me the wrong kind of canoe? <laughs> he sold me a canoe with a keel on the bottom of it, which isn't what you want for whitewater canoeing. Of course, I didn't tell him I was going to do whitewater canoeing with it, but <laughs> he sold me the wrong kind of canoe. <laughs> and well, well, how about health? How about my health? Well, I, I just never really seemed to have enough energy to do all the things I wanted. I was tired all the time. And, and I, why was life doing that to me? How come I didn't have the energy other people had? And, and doctors, don't even get me started on doctors. And what other profession, what other profession do you, do you make an appointment and then you got to wait 45 minutes before you get to see the guy at the appointment. I mean, I don't know when that happens in any other field. Okay, so maybe I need some spiritual growth, right? So I'll go to church. Right. Hypocrisy everywhere I look. They claim this and they do that. And I just don't understand. So I finally found a really good church, nice little Baptist church where everybody seemed to have the light of the Lord in their faces. And I joined in that church and went through the, the Baptist ceremony of getting dunked under the water and back up again. And as an adult doing this kind of thing, you know, this is, I know a lot of people think that's awfully strange, but that was the way you did it in that church. And so I did that. Two years later, that particular church decided to accept people who hadn't been dunked. Man, was I resentful at that. I couldn't believe that they would do that to me. After all, I went through it. <laughs> life. That was life beforehand. And what did all of that stuff do to me? What did those attitudes do to me? Well, what did they do to my life? I was resentful. I was angry. I was irritated. I was contemptuous of other people. I remember a flight I was taking on business from Washington, D.C. down to Knoxville with one stop in Atlanta, Eastern Airlines. And one stop in Atlanta, we were late getting out of D.C., Oh, an hour late getting out of D.C., and I'm fuming. I'm sitting on the plane. I, you know, I just hate being cramped. I'm a large man. And sitting in an airline seat as a large man is not a fun experience, I tell you that. And I'm sitting there crowded into this center seat for an extra hour as we're waiting to take off. We finally take off. We get down to Atlanta, and as we're approaching Atlanta, they tell us that they, although this is supposed to be a through flight, they tell us that there's going to be an equipment change in Atlanta, that we're going to have to get off the airplane and go get on another airplane. But they tell us it's okay, it's right across the concourse. We're going from B-25 to B-26, right across the concourse. So they land, they pull the airplane in, we go across the concourse, and they tell us that the continuation of the same flight has already left. <laughs> right. And I absolutely blew up. I, I, I remember shouting at this gate agent, literally standing there in the airport, shouting at this great gate agent, pounding on the table, how can you possibly do this? And, and amazingly, she gave me an upgrade for the next leg, which really, I mean, I can't even imagine her doing that, but she did. And, and I used to tell the story about that one as, here's how you get the upgrade for the next leg. <laughs> Man, oh man, oh man. I treated people badly. 
All over the place I treated people badly. I remember shouting at a salesman at Christmas time one time, and my son, who was in high school at the time, goes to the other side of the store. He doesn't even want to be around his father because his father shouting at the salesman. Oh, man, that hurts. Uh, I was isolated. I was alone because of these attitudes. It put me apart from everybody else. I felt inadequate. I felt unworthy. I felt alone. I felt afraid. You recognize those words, right? Those are the starting words of the problem in the white book. Inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. That's where my attitudes of resentment took me. Fifty-one years of those kind of attitudes finally brought me to S.A. And I came to S.A. and uh, and it says on page 25 of the A.A. Big Book that there is a solution. And that the solution is that we found a spiritual experience that has revolutionized our attitudes toward life, toward our fellowship, toward everything that happens around us. And so what is it like now? Well, I've come to believe in recovery. That's step two, right? I have come to believe, and one of the things I've come to believe is that there are no coincidences, none at all, that God really is in charge. Not just of the big stuff, not just of the good stuff, but of everything out there. And that all the coincidences that I used to see weren't coincidences at all. They were his hand in the world. And that's what I see now when I look at things. That's my faith. You may have a different faith for yourself, but that's what I've come to believe. And so consequently, that puts me in a position, an attitude of gratitude all the time. And so I wake up in the morning now, and it's not every morning. I ain't perfect. But I wake up in the morning, and most times I wake up and I'm laying in bed when the alarm goes off or when I awaken, and the first thing I do is I say, thank you, God, for this day. And it sets my day on a great tone. It doesn't matter to me whether it's sunny out or rainy out. If I look at the window and I see rain on the window, I say, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for the rain. And then I, uh, <laughs> and then I do a morning walk these days. I'm trying to get some aerobic exercise and put this body back in shape and be surrendered to my God in that further step of what I do. And I go on this morning walk, and as I go walking out into the day, I look at all of the beauty of the day, and I'll tell you what, this time of year is the time when I say that somebody has to live in Florida, and it might as well be me. (laughs) And I go walking out there in that 65-degree weather... (laughs) with beautiful sunny mornings and the sun sparkling through the trees, and I say, thank you, God. And I talk to God using the scriptures that I know, and it's all gratitude, that morning walk. And then I come back, and I sit down on the back porch or in my office, and I have a time for morning prayer. And I say, thank you, God, for this life. Thank you for recovery. And I say, thank you for my wife. And thank you for her family. And I say, thank you for my family. Thank you for my 87-year-old father who had a heart attack last year. It's still going along. And I say, thank you for so many things in that time in the morning. And it sets my day right. And then I finish up all that prayer by saying, Lord, let me know thy will for today. 
and give me the strength to carry it out. That's step 11, if you don't recognize it. And then I go in and I fix a breakfast. And I sit down to breakfast and I put that food in front of me and I stop before I eat it and I say, thank you, Lord, for this food. And I do that three times a day also. And so then I get to business and I sit down and I work at home. Uh, well, I teach courses and so I work at home when I'm home. And then I go on the road and I go teach courses. And if I'm home, I'm sitting most of the time in front of the computer and I'm trading a lot of email with contacts and I'm offering good to other people and I'm doing things in the world out there. And I'll get an email from some contact who's interested in what I do. And I stop and I say, thank you. Thank you for that contact. Thank you for this business. Thank you for all of the marvelous things that you've brought me in recovery. Thank you for the ability to be able to teach courses. Thank you for the ability to be able to stand up in front of people and say things and have them be interested in what I have to say and be able to convey it to them in a way that matters. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for the ability to do what I do. And, uh, and maybe I'll go out in town during the day and I'll be out driving. Now, there's one where the attitudes were really bad. I didn't even cover those attitudes before. But I'm out there driving on the road, and some bozo cuts me off on the highway. And as he goes by in that flash of instant, I look over there, and he's got a cigarette in one hand and a cell phone in the other hand, and he's somehow driving. I don't know with what. And he's somehow driving, and he's just cut me off. And instead of shouting at him and honking the horn and doing all sorts of stuff, I say, thank you, Lord, for keeping me safe. And oh, by the way, Lord, go with that one because he kind of needs you. <laughs> and, and, I hope, and I hope everybody else around him is safe today, too. I'll thank you for that, too. And then I'll go into a store and I'll need to buy something. And I open up my wallet and I pull out my credit card and I look at that card and I say, Thank you, Lord, for the wherewithal to buy this thing, whatever it is that I'm buying. Because it all comes from you. It comes from you, everything I've got. I know that. Because in the year 2000, my income tax return read a big fat zero. And everything since then has been God's doing because of recovery. And so I know it all comes from God, everything I have. And then I finish my work day and I have an evening. And if I'm home, that evening's with my wife, unless I'm at an SA meeting. And I have that time with her, and, and these days we're into quilting, and we'll spend a couple of hours cutting out fabric or sewing it together. She does the assembly, and I do the quilting on it. And it's, it's, we're still trying to figure out who really likes to do which thing, and, uh, okay. and, and it's kind of fun to do that. And I look at the two of us working on this stuff together, and I say, thank you. Thank you for this. And then I get to the end of the day, and I lie down in bed, and I'm about to close my eyes to go to sleep. And I say, thank you, God, for this day. Now, what does all of this do for me? I live a life of peace, of joy, of usefulness. I have friends. I never had friends before. I have friends, and they're not all in SA. <laughs> I, I have friends in other groups, too. And man, that's marvelous. I, I have family. I, I care about my family. I care about other people in my life. I, I spend my time melding instead of dividing. I'm a man who tries to put things together. I spend my time spreading warmth instead of discord. I am whole with God and man.
And that's what an attitude of gratitude does. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Mike. Hey, I better put this on. Uh, okay. First of all, thank you, Eric. Uh, we'll now open the f- floor for sharing. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during the meeting. If you wish to speak, please wait uh, to, to uh, be recognized before coming forth to the room. No cross-talk, please. Uh, s- sit, if you would, at the seats uh, to Eric's left. Uh, and... Uh, Please keep your sharing to two to three minutes, allowing everyone to share his or her experience. Uh, stay close to the mic and, and speak clearly. Our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the SA 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors of publications, other than SA or AA conference-approved literature. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis here is recover the solution, using the steps in our daily lives. And please remember, this meeting is being taped. So the floor is now open for sharing. And, and uh, Would somebody like to come forth? Let's My name is Paul Sexaholic. <clears throat> I'd just like to pass on something I picked up at a conference, I think about two years ago. And the guy said that uh, each day he wrote down five things that he was thankful for. Now, I am no good at night. Uh, so in the morning during my morning meditation, I think of what happened the previous day. And I have this little spiral book about uh, whatever it is, five by three. And it's just enough on one page to be able to write down just five things. And it's got to be five different things, not the same thing from, from the previous day. And, and so I can kind of look through the book, and it's, it's just amazing the effect that that has had because it allows me to be grateful for different things on different days. But the reflection of being able to look to the previous day allows me to see it differently than exactly when it when it happens. Uh, for example, <clears throat> I was going to send this email to somebody in authority, and I was really going to put them straight. And I had a friend of mine, so I was going to send it, send it to him first and say, what do you think about this? Well, he, he was selfish enough not to respond to me. Uh, and so by the next morning, I had kind of a, a shift of, of, of inner attitude, and I was grateful for the fact that I didn't send the email, and grateful for the fact that at that point, like like about 18 hours later, I could see that laced in the email was this anger and resentment and all kinds of stuff, but it was veiled, but just enough to, you know, give them the little gig. Uh, but so it, <clears throat> with that kind of the next day, a kind of a gratitude that was that was different than, and it's, it's had a great effect on my life. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. 
Hi, I'm Dave. I'm uh, gratefully recovering sexaholic. And um, I, this, uh, uh, a couple of things. First, the, the, the concept in the abstract of thankfulness. For me, in the three months that I've been in this program, which started um, mid-October, uh, this is the crux of it for me. This is the thing that actually tells me whether or not I believe in the third step and whether I believe that God really is in control and that he really does love me and he does, really does care for me. Um, the other thing is that I have seen it practically work itself out in the very ways, some of the very ways you talk about in terms of uh, simple things like being in traffic or being uh, at uh, a counter where things aren't moving very fast and you've got someplace to be and something's not going quite the way you'd like for it to go. Because it then opens, it, I have found that it then opens me up to the moment and to whatever's happening and what God has for me in that moment, not my agenda, but what he has for me. And it is infinitely and always better than my plan. So I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for the the other things that the, the, the result of the practicality of that is that I'm thankful for how this has this one element of recovery gratitude and making the gratitude list and instead of waking up with a start at the alarm and saying oh, I've got to do this today I've got to do that today, just starting down my litany of what I'm thankful for and uh, doing it in a, in a almost a ritualistic way so thank you thank you My name is Damien. I'm a sex addict. Hi, Damien. I uh, I lose track of how much I be great. I have to be grateful for when I'm really feeling blue. And uh, and there's a story I'd like to relate that kind of points that out. I, I work in a in a building in Midtown Manhattan on the 15th floor, and I sometimes you know I get I get uh, when my boss gets upset with me, I get upset with myself, and it can really color my day blue and spoil it. Um, and one day we had a particularly rough session and I was going down on the elevator and it was lunchtime and I work on the 15th floor and there's one floor above me and typically the elevator's coming up to get us and not, nobody comes from seven, from 16 but that day the elevator came down from 16 and I went in, there was a guy in there he was a funny looking guy, he had a funny mustache, funny hat, bright red suspenders, a red a pastel shirt and, you know, most people there are uptight businessmen in business suits, and this guy, the door closed, and the guy said to me, cheer up, it's Wednesday. And I said, is it that obvious? He said, yeah, you look like Teddy Roosevelt trying to figure out how to charge up San Juan Hill. And the elevator went down, and nobody else, it didn't stop at any other floor, which at lunchtime was very unusual. By the time we got down, I said, you know, I feel a lot better. Thanks. He said, well, you still look like Teddy Roosevelt. And he went that way, and I went that way. <laughs> and I should, you know, and I said, this is, I called my sponsor, and he said, that uh, was a teacher. You know, they've been around you all your life, but you just haven't recognized them. And, uh, you know, he just said, I have one word for you, and that's gratitude. And any time I'm really feeling down, I just think gratitude and how much I have to be grateful for. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. My name is Matt, sexaholic. Hi, Matt. Before coming into recovery, um, you know, I, I was raised and I was taught uh, to be polite, and so I thought that I, uh, by saying thank you to everyone about everything, that I was that I was showing gratitude. 
But uh, it was really a lie because I, I just hid my feelings, and it was uh, you know the anger, resentment, fears were all underneath. We're all underneath, and I, I didn't even realize it until um, until probably a year into recovery. But um, but I'm starting to. I know what real gratitude is right now. I really do. Um, disclosure for me, I told my wife uh, everything um, because she basically uh, found me out. That, you know, the jig was up, so I had to say it. She said, well, if you, if you want a shot at sticking with me, you're going to have to call my dad right now and tell him. And so at 6.30 in the morning, I called him, and uh, I just started telling him. And... Uh, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It's harder than telling my wife. Um, you know, uh, he's an active member in the NRA. <laughs> 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 and I was... Uh, <laughs> I, w- I was scared. Um, it, it, he said, Matt, it's not even making any sense what you're saying to me right now. My feet haven't even hit the floor. I'm still in bed. So... Uh, they came to the house that day, and I, I answered the door, and I, I was ready to take a punch right in the face. I, but he just had this look of disappointment. It was a horrible day. I, I told uh, my wife's parents and my parents, and I just felt miserable. Um, you know, I thought our, our marriage was going to end. Um, I was just feeling terrible, and uh, I have gratitude for that day now. Um, I have gratitude because I have uh, a, a newborn right now, and um, we brought this baby into the world um, with me being in recovery. She's six weeks old. She's uh, here at the conference, and she's been going to meetings, and she, it's just a, <laughs> it's amazing. And I, I look into her eyes, and you know, there's no fake gratitude. It is gratitude. It is true gratitude. Also, my wife's mother, who was also furious, you know, you know, wanted to rip my head off that day is here and is here for herself you know she wants to do some healing too not just because of what I've done but because of uh, you know her own issues and you know she needs to work on her own self and and she's grateful for uh, for, for being here with uh, all us sexaholics and it's just uh, there's so many things for me to be grateful for now I just want I felt like I need to come up and, uh, and thank all of you for that so thank you Hi, everyone. My name is Tom. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, John. Very happy to be here today. And this is a very important topic for me. I remember about 23 years ago, I came into another 12-step program, and I was going through some fear and worry about something that I did. And uh, what happened was is I drove my wife to an abortion clinic and had my daughter murdered. And I remember... For years, I was walking around with this fear of going to hell, of dying and going to hell. And I came into the program, not this program, another 12-step program, 23 years ago, and I've been sober since. And I remember early on in the first year of recovery when I was just getting on step two, and in that program, they move real slow, and I need that. So as I was going through that step... I went to my sponsor one day and I said, you know, I hear a lot of forgiveness going on in these meetings. I said, now, how do you know that I'm forgiven for that murder? Do you know that? you know that, Charlie? And I remember he said something that I thought was very profound. He said, well, if he wasn't forgiving, 
he wouldn't give you the program. And that had a very profound effect on me because it, it was like a ton of cement lifted off my shoulders. And then what happened after that is history because within days I dove into that program. I was so happy that I was forgiven. Not only for that, but for some other areas of my life. I was so happy that I just got involved. I got involved in the meetings by setting them up, helped setting them up coffee commitments, things like that, and I, I used my sponsor. Basically what I did was I grabbed the tools and started using them. I was so happy. And I brought that to SA 12 years ago. I've been sober since. I got so involved when I came to SA because I was so happy that I was alive and that I was forgiven for that <coughs> murder. And it was my daughter. And I don't know how long my wife was pregnant, but I drove her there. I signed the papers. I said, go ahead, do it. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is, during my early stages of AA, I heard something from my, I consider a very holy man. He said, if you're truly grateful for the program, you'll get involved. You'll get involved in the step work. You'll get involved in the service commitment. You'll get involved in sponsoring and being sponsored and so on and so forth. You'll get involved if you're really grateful. If you're not, you won't. And then he said something else that I thought was very important for me. He said, grateful people do not slip. And grateful people stay in the program. They don't leave. They stay. And then he gave me my last and most important insight and suggestion. Ask my God. Make me, and I've been doing this for 20, about 22 years. Make me grateful for what you've given me, taken away, and left me with. And I've been doing it, and it, there's this drive, there's this desire that comes out of me, even when I don't want to do things. There's still that extra surge of energy and drive that says, go to the meeting, pick up the phone, answer it. Even though I don't want to do it at times, there's that drive that lifts me up and says, keep going. And I haven't slipped, thank God. Hello, everyone. My name is Chuck. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Chuck. I remember when I first came to the program, um, the word gratitude being sort of floated around the room, and my first impression was, ah, gratitude. Ah, come on. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's something for somebody who's really an addict. Um, you know, yeah, I, I along the way things change. You know, you have to get sober. Um, what I gained a sponsor who was big on gratitude. I really identify with the first share where. The individual had to write five things each day, and they all had to be different things that you were grateful for. And I, my, my sponsors told me to do that, and I didn't really start doing it until one Thanksgiving. I read an article written by um, a religious person who had a um, news program about grateful people, and 
it, it was really inspiring. It was really motivating. You know, I think the thing behind gratitude is really humility. I think that's the thing with gratitude. I think that's what gratitude gives us. Um, I really started working that at some point in my program where I'd write five things each day, and they all had to be different. And I had to search every day for five different things that I'd be grateful for. And over time, it sort of built into a habit of looking for things throughout my day to be grateful for. And over a period of time, that became a habit, and it sort of developed an attitude towards being grateful for things. And... There was a um, there was a movie out a couple years ago called The Pursuit of Happiness. It's about this uh, guy who made it. He, he became a millionaire in the stock market, but before he became a millionaire, he was a homeless father. And I, you know, I heard that story. I had to get my hands on the book, and I really recommend this to everybody out there. If they, you know, that's a good thing to read because if you read this thing, you get to see what life is like through the eyes of a homeless person. What's like to not have things, and you you really begin to see how much you take for granted the little things in your life that that you know you, you learn to be very grateful for the little things in your life, the heat in the room, the lights. Uh, you know, you're not living on a subway. You know, uh, you know, there's so many things that you know we take for granted. Um, one of the things that that's motivated me to, to continue working, you know, my gratitude list and, you know, be focused on it's not just program. Program is a huge priority. But, you know, my wife had recently said to me, you know, she said, one of the things I really admire about you is that you're grateful. And I try to teach that to my children at, at dinner time. You know, I'll, I'll ask them, okay. What are you grateful for today? And I'll ask everybody around the table, what are you grateful for today? I'm trying to teach that to my kids. I'm trying to be a father. And um, that's just that's just something that's, uh, you know, my wife saying that to me has just really uh, really touched me. And, just, and I got to cut it out. So, <laughs> so thanks for letting me share, guys. <laughs> Hello, my fellows. I'm Bill, also known as uh, Harry William, uh, and uh, I want to want to tell you that I am so grateful for this conference, and so hi, gr- hi, oh, hi all. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so grateful for this conference. Uh, uh, I have. Uh, um, I, I, I'm very blessed to be here with you all, uh, to hear your shares, to meet some of you. Uh, it, uh, it, it has just been everything I hoped would come uh, at this conference. And I think we should, we should all be grateful. Uh, we should be grateful to be sexaholics uh, because we're having to work uh, and change and be better people uh, to leave uh, addiction and sin behind. Uh, That's the challenge, uh, I I believe, uh, of uh, SA. Um, 
I, I just want to share a, a vision with you briefly. And this is uh, well, several years back uh, during a marathon. I had a vision of us being uh, prepared, prepared uh, to, uh, to serve others who are not in the program, who uh, are addicted to lust, uh, other kinds of sins of the flesh. I had a vision of us being able to point the way to recovery for a population that is uh, in terrible, uh, terrible addiction, lust addiction. And uh, so uh, uh, I believe our time is uh, coming, and uh, we, are, uh, we are going to be well prepared to do our duty to, to human humanity. So, with that uh, said, Eric, thank you very much for your lead. Thank you. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm a sexual hawk. Hi, Tim. I, I, uh, I have a lot of defects in my thinking, uh, and uh, I can see that for me it's going to take an effort to become grateful. Uh, I'm grateful somewhat, a little bit. Uh, I can see where I, I could be and should be a lot more grateful. Um, I have a habit of over 50 years of finding things wrong with things, finding things wrong with people, thinking about what I don't like about how things are, thinking about what I don't like about people, could be any better or anything. Uh, I'm more or less addicted to this negative thinking, so it just of itself starts and wants to keep going. Uh, the opposite of all that is, is creating positive thoughts, which I was just at before this breakout meeting, and which I'm going to be at, I hope, again tomorrow morning. And uh, But positive thoughts and gratitude, to me, are very, very closely related. Uh, I think each one includes the other. And uh, I wish I could just become grateful. I also want to be serene, and I'm not, not by, not by a long shot. But I want the gratitude, feelings of gratitude to come with no effort. Yeah. And I want the serenity to come with no effort. I don't have to do anything. You know. And it, I, I have enough insight to know it's not going to happen that way. And I have to accept it. And the main main work I have to do, is, as I see it, is to take some control of what I allow my thoughts to be. or what I can't stop thoughts from coming, maybe, but I can... Stop them from staying there, you know. And uh, I'll, I'll close with this. Um, sometimes I, I, I think of uh, something that's good, enjoyable, plus going right. I like it, and I say to myself, you know, I should be grateful for that. Not I am grateful for that for that, but I should be grateful for that. So, but I, <laughs> I don't have the complete gratitude for whatever the thing is, you know. I just. Um, that uh, and I've heard before a grateful attitude will not use. So um, I need to embrace gratitude and a positive outlook. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. My name is Warren. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Warren. I heard from Robert a while back. You have to speak in advance. <coughs> Four inches. <clears throat> Friend Robert in the program, he said, hateful and grateful cannot reside in the same abode. It goes back many years, and I still remember it. 
great thing about meetings, you can remember something for a hundred years. I mean, the thing is like this, the thing is I'm a recovering sexaholic, rageaholic, food addict. I'm also a recovering complainer. I think in my family that that's one of the top, for sure top two or three transgressions. And I constantly catch myself. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I feel really guilty about it, but I say, well, a few months ago or whatever, I didn't even take notice of it. So at least I'm making some strides. And um, it's amazing. Some days go by, and I'll get like 10 calls, shut off my machine, was it 10 calls, and like seven, eight, nine calls out of the 10 are from program people. It's, it's really amazing what this program has done for me, uh, being around people that are really concerned with their spiritual betterment, for lack of a better term, I think that's a very good term for their spiritual betterment, getting close to God, getting close to people, righting their wrongs. I mean, really living with God. thats I want to be around people who are living with God. And one of those, again, one of those key points is the gratitude. I look at a guy like Harvey. I look at a guy like Tom. Anybody with time, certainly, the gratitude that they appreciate whatever's there, you know, through hard times, through tough times, whatever, some people divorced, whatever. The fact is that it brings me sometimes to be a little humble and to, to see that I have a lot of good in my life. Who am I to complain? There's a lot of great things going on. A lot of great things going on. A lot of times I don't take notice of it. Even when I'm praying for the prayer book, I'll just rattle off the blessings. But they're not there to just <laughs> rattle off because the blessing is so beautiful. Thanking God for sight, for having clothing, and for having, you know, all these, all these things. And somebody said light. It's a great blessing. We didn't have light poles on the streets years ago, 70, 80 years ago. This is a new, for new thing. All these things are just, are just wonderful gifts of God, and uh, I'm grateful, I'm very grateful to be uh, here. I'd rather be here, i said this many times, than anywhere in the world right now. It's a very spiritual blessing to be here. Thanks for sharing. Hi, I'm Shoal. Too close. I'm a recovering sexaholic. I'm grateful that I can speak here because the Travis just ended. And uh, <laughs> I was talking to my sponsor over there, and he, I said, what's this guy Velvel doing here? Why is he sharing it? Shabbos, what's going on with him? And uh, he said, no, Shabbos is over. So I look at the clock, and I could say, nah, it's not really over yet. It's maybe a little bit lenient, and it's a question if it's over or not. And I said, you know what? My sponsor told me to come up and share, so I'm going to share. <laughs> He knows the laws of Sabbath sometimes better than I do. <laughs> he actually told me that on Sabbath, if I have an urge to what's a call, to, to, to act out, if I'm allowed to make a phone call or not. And he said, you're allowed to make a phone call. And I never believed it until I heard this Sunday. It was by a retreat, and a rabbi said he called up. A rabbi is in the, who works the steps, and he said he called up another rabbi uh, you know, who knows how And he said that you're, if you have an urge for alcohol or drugs, you're allowed to call up on Sabbath. And that just makes me aware of how sick I am. And uh, there you go, my sponsor. It was the laws of Sabbath better than me. Uh, so I'm grateful to have such a sponsor who really cares about me. And um, yeah, gratitude for me is is just. I was very upset on my way here about something, and. 
It's interesting because I just had an amazing week, and God had given me so many opportunities to do a lot of wonderful things this week and experience wonderful things. I was by a funeral of a big rabbi in Israel. I was able to partake in the burial. I went to speak to two big rabbis in, in, in Israel, and then I got to go to some special holy grave sites in, in Ukraine, and it all worked out. God was there for me, and he worked everything out for me, and I came back to New York, and my wife said she's not coming to the convention. And I forgot about all the good that I had in the past week. Hmm. And my sponsor had told me, go say it. I say, why do I have to say to God I'm grateful? I feel it in my heart. Of course I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Why do I have to say it for? I don't want to say it. Why don't I want to say it? I'm grateful for God for giving me this wonderful, beautiful week where I was able to experience such uplifting events. So my wife wasn't going to come, and she, she, I got all upset, and I went through a rage about it. But you know what? When I pulled up in front of this convention, I just got this feeling of such holiness and so much power. Just went into my system. Just coming up here, I said, I'm home. I'm here. So I'm just grateful to be part of this program and to be able to come to these meetings and hear what people have to say day in and day out. Thanks. Shmuley, sexaholic. Uh, I want to add just for myself one little aspect here that's important for me to, to hear me saying it about myself. I was just sitting a few hours ago with somebody who has long-time sobriety, and he took me over and he said, Shmuley, what's going on? Because he saw like I wasn't the same. And I started telling him what's going on, and he said, Shmuley, you're in pain. And I said, yeah, I'm in a lot of pain right now because of uh, a traumatic thing that happened in uh, my life. And what he did was very important. He said, you know, it's very painful. It's very painful. And um, he didn't say to me, Shmuley, you have to have gratitude and get rid of the pain. He said, Shmuley, use this program to talk about the pain, but also have gratitude. So it's like, not that the gratitude has to erase, because in my own mind, because I, I beat myself up the most over my character defects or whatever, in my own mind, I'm like, Shmuley, stop the pain. You're an idiot. Be great or be grateful for this and this and this. Or you don't deserve to have pain or, to, or you don't deserve, you, you know, you, you really deserve to have pain. But, you know, whatever, just get the pain, get rid of those real feelings. It's the feeling that, uh, you know, yes, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. But that doesn't mean that that uh, that cancels out any real feelings that there is at the same time. So I, I have to work. I'm going to take, I'm going to commit to do that, that list of gratitude every day. But at the same time, I'm going to use this program, the people to, to tell them about what, what I'm really going through so that I can show myself finally, because this is what I need it for, to be able to say, hey, listen, I'm in pain because of this and this, but I'm also have gratitude because of this and this and this. It's all about life. And, uh, that's what I need to hear myself say that, that I can, I can express myself about all those things at the same time. We have enough up, up front to share it now. Let's let those persons share, and, and, and then that'll be it. Hi. My name's Steve, and I'm a sexaholic. Oh, I just want to say it's great to be here. This is my first convention in three months in the fellowship, and it's, I'm so grateful that um, I was able to come here. And I'm not going to share anything too profound. I've not got a lot of experience to, to share, but just to say that um, I wanted to practice being grateful and you know being openly grateful because I've... One thing I'm 
finally clicked into place for me today. I've seen that God allowed me to come here and I think introduced me to the right people. I was in the right place at the right time. And I've been able to see that um, something I was finding it very, very difficult to get over. I, uh, I joined um, AA early last year before coming to this fellowship. And partway through, fell it through the um, through recovery, I suffered a, a really major loss of uh, ended up losing the place I lived, um, work opportunity, a lot of money, a lot of lot of things basically. But I've been able to, I was beginning to see that uh, you know it was my it was really my mistakes that led to that. That the opportunity was there. Sure, I was disappointed in people that could have supported me, people that I thought should have been there for me weren't. But this uh, 24 hours that I've been here, the conversations I've had, the things I've heard. Um, has helped me to see that in fact I needed to, to learn some lessons there that self-pity was a, a defect that I was wallowing in far too much and that a fear of particular things you know, particularly uh, conflict with certain members of my family and others and that was what led to me losing that thing and I've seen that now and I've seen that if I'd have thought gone my way then uh, probably my illness and my defects would have caught up at a later date and I'd have lost the best opportunity in a far worse way than I have that opportunity might come up or something else might. So I'm grateful for that. And I finally can say that I actually feel grateful. I was by, I was saying to myself, well, I know, you know, people say maybe it was meant to be with that way. They say, yeah, maybe it was, but I was saying it, but I wasn't feeling it. This convention's helped me understand it and take it in and feel it. I think, right, now it's time to move on. And I've, I've been writing my inventory. I was writing it on the plane on the way over here. And I, a lot of truth started sinking in and, uh, Hugely grateful for this opportunity and uh, the opportunity to come and practice being grateful. So uh, I'm going to try and keep it up because I know it's the way to go. So thanks everyone for listening. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Brian. Uh, I've been in the program four years and uh, I just came on seven months of sobriety. And this is the most I've had since I've joined. And uh, I had seven months once before, but it was filled with uh, hits, and it was, it was just ridiculous. I'd like to share something that happened to me before I joined the program. I got into the program shortly thereafter. One day, I had a knock on my door, and someone said, is this yours? And this thing was my <clears throat> my, my uh, two-year-old son. What had happened was I was uh, I was acting out, or just, just finished acting out. I was certainly drunk, and he was in the backyard playing. He wandered to the front of the house. Uh, into the street, a, a busy street, and somebody pulled over and picked him up. Is this yours? And um, for that, I, I cannot be sufficiently uh, um, have a sufficient gratitude. And I, I still find it hard to internalize that this actually happened. And it did, it did. Uh, I also want to share something else. I, I, I have a lot of resentments. Uh, I've had a lot of resentments towards my wife, and I continue to work on these, and for no good reason, just my, my own my own problem, my own addiction. Uh, I used to, when she would fall asleep before me, I used to have these visions of how can I kill her. <laughs> I would want to strangle her. I thought about it. Maybe a sledgehammer would be nice, and uh, unbelievable stuff. I hope she doesn't get this uh, CD here. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and, and just the, just the, uh, just, a, just a couple of weeks ago, she also found uh, SNR. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had this vision. She fell asleep before me, and I had this vision, and this never happened to me before. I thought I'd love to paint a picture of her instead of uh, hitting her, <laughs> killing her. And it, it was, it was such a. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that change. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Cheski. Uh, grateful for covering uh, sexaholic. Uh, I'm in the program for five years, and I have a lot of gratitude for the program and what it's done for me. And uh, what gratitude means, attitude of gratitude means for me, is that if I appreciate that that what ha- what's happening in my life is, is is coming from my higher power, from a God, then I, I'm able to let go of control and uh, trying to control and manage everything. Before I came to the conference. I was thinking, you know, I've been to my third conference. So I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go to the conference. I'm going to try to manage going to all the meetings. I need to go to the right one. I'm going to try to manage figuring out which one will be for me. And then be resentful if they don't, people don't share on the topic. They're sharing too long. And I said, you know, I'm going to just let go and let God. And, and I think that's a part of, of the attitude of gratitude. It's knowing that, that it's not me. It's standing, sitting in the back seat and letting like, my higher power take the steering wheel and, and let things go and happen. And then I can... Uh, be at peace and, and, and be and be joyful. Thanks. Well, Eric, thank you so much uh, for your lead and, and, and for the participants who shared. Thank you so much for sharing your strength, hope, and experience. It's been a very strong meeting, and, and I thank you all. Uh, let me, uh, I'm not going to try to summarize the recover ideas I, I, I heard. I, I hope that you will uh, take away something from this meeting, and, and uh, perhaps you'll share it with somebody who's sitting next to you, um, what it was that you got out of this that was especially relevant to you. Remember, this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles uh, before personalities. The, the, the stories that you, you hear are told in, in uh, confidence and should not be repeated outside. Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about, essay, uh, about an essay to yourself. And what we say here. Let it stay here. After a moment of silence for the sick and suffering inside and outside these rooms and those who are dedicated to resentments instead of gratitude, let us, let us close with the third step prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.